Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. This is our New Year episode. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We ended up having one of our biggest fans on the podcast and we had a great interview with him. We talked with him about his new ventures in the new year and hope you enjoy. People are always trying to keep their shit secret. Like, Yeah, not us. Not us, though. We put it all out there. We're trying to be transparent. Like, just yeah. stop, stop flirting with me. I just want you for your recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Should I just come back? I have a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, uh, miss, I have a girlfriend. Okay. Excuse me. I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to find out how to make these stuffed peppers. Okay. Please, tell me. I don't know who you stuff your peppers with. Yeah. Actually, I used to make stuffed peppers with uh, bison meat. Mm. Sounds about right. It's pretty delicious. Sounds amazing. See that recipe bison. you can get. Yeah? Don't have to make out of anything. What do I have to do to get that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that a real question? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, wouldn't you wink. like to know? Damn. Wink. All right. So um, I guess, you know, this is the stupidest, lamest, like... This is the most meta we've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> we have our, our number one fan here yeah. with We're, us. I know. Crazy. It's interesting. Like our, our one out. key listener... Yeah. We just have to bring him in. So um, we've got Isaac Daly with us. And yeah, that is his real name. That's my real name. Um, Isaac, why don't you take a second and you know, tell us about yourself. All right. Um, so I'm uh, 22 years old. Just got, uh, just got done with uh, police training here in Tucson. So I'm going to be starting that pretty soon. Before that, I was in college. Um, worked, <laughs> at, worked at a coffee shop. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a subject matter non-expert like semi-expert and like a lot of things mm-hmm. um, interested in a lot of things like you know technology space travel all the way to you know music musical theory language and then you know of course police work training for that um how to be deadly how to be hard to kill um so that's kind of like where uh, me and atish kind of first bonded just talking about uh you know jujitsu and stuff like that yeah fighting yeah yeah so um that's me i'm also a musician uh, i play the drums i've been playing since i was about eight so that's, I, I guess I would say that's the only thing I'm naturally good at. Yeah. Is playing the drums. Everything else is just kind of like, I found it and figured out how to be good at it. Or Aren't drummers it. hard to find? Like good drummers? Good drummers are very hard to find. Good drummers are the yeah. hardest member of the band to find. It's because, true. I mean, not to go on too long of a tangent, but. I just tried to play drums once. He didn't. It wasn't that good. And I was not a good drummer. <laughs> no, I once, I once played in, in a band. That's and um, What was the name of the band? We're not going to go there. Oh, come uh, on. What was it called? Come on. You turned it up to 26? <laughs> no, it was called A Plague on Both Your Houses. You and you turned it up to 24? What did you turn it up to? Oh, I, I turned it up all the way up. No, the yeah. song. What was the song called? Turn it up to 12? Oh, you're... <laughs> those, those magical lyrics you wrote about turning up the stereo right. beyond the oh, high ooh. limit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> you know, as you can see, he also doesn't have a phone case on his phone, so well, that's, that's what uh, we're dealing with here. There's a case on there. Oh, there that's is. a case. It's okay. just a slim case. case. The band's on Spotify, so I'll post it in the show notes, oh, so we all can. Uh, you can also enjoy post that. my band in the show notes. Heck yeah! What's the name of your band? Architecture. And uh, is I, it just I, you? No. Oh, um, it's there's, there's five of us. Do you sing? Is um, it like a Phil Collins thing? No. Are you all on drums? So I have to. I have to say, um, playing drums and singing is like next to impossible for me yeah i just can't do it but i am pretty good at talking to the crowd and stuff like that good deal i guess who never got a mic this guy so the crowd had to endure uh yeah um so we found this joke on google before it came up here and uh and yeah go check out the merch table and uh actually guys you're so weird just play music yeah don't talk (laughs) don't don't be weird Uh, it's called architecture and um you know music it's uh it's kind of like if if local natives had a baby with brand new, I'm oh. only familiar with brand new. Okay. Oh, those are those actual band yeah. names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like local natives, what? Local natives. like Tucsonans. Chris only knows if like Tucsonans had. Chris only knows bands like Foreigner and. Uh, oh, okay, I don't know just Foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I know one other one. Okay. Yeah, I know Journey. <laughs> yeah, Journey, Foreigner, Cheap Trick. Those are more his wheelhouse. Uh, we broke up though. So. Oh. Why is that? Um, uh, one Did of you our, get a mic? Well, no. <laughs> you, you insist on having because, a mic. Well, see, here's the thing. There's a couple members of the band that want to do music as a career. Uh-huh. 
and then there was the other half kind of that was all doing other things, may yeah. or may not be able to fit it in. Right. Um, they were finishing college when we got married. Um, a couple of them went off to get, you know, big boy engineering jobs. Um, I went off to be a cop, and, you know, I'm still off during the weekends while I'm training, but right. probably going to be working the exact same time we'd be playing shows usually. Exactly. So yeah. either 2 to midnight or, you know, right. 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. or something like that. So that's why. And then one of our guys moved to Nashville. Oh, our lead singer. So, yeah, we broke up. But we got a we got an EP out. We got another one about to drop. That's on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah, that's show notes. I'll check nice it out. Nice little snippet for people to listen to. A little extra. Yeah. A little something extra. Absolutely. Anyways, that's me. That was that was the same thing that happened with me. Actually, I went to college and like that that just took up all, all my time and yeah, college or the band. College, okay, uh, because because there was the people who just wanted to be like all in for the band and like we're gonna have to do things, you know, like full focus, whatever. And I was like, that's cool, guys, but I've got science homework. They're like, oh, f your science homework. But but then also the, the, the drummer then sold a lot of our gear, like a lot of uh, my equipment for drugs. So oh. so when you said a good drummer is hard to find, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. good drummer is hard to fucking find. So you're a drummer, mm-hmm. and you're a good one. Yeah, nice. Here I am. Well, if anyone needs a good drummer in Tucson. And we yeah. give you a mic, so yeah. we're already better than hey, the architect. Hey, that's yeah. right. Um, What's up, guys? How's it going? All right. <laughs> so, anyways. This is me. Um, so, uh, kind of the thing that I wanted to talk to you about on, or why, I mean, there's multiple reasons why I wanted to bring you on the podcast, and actually I had no frame of reference on this band thing, so we should definitely touch back on that. Oh, totally. But uh, you recently uh, just started on a podcast, yeah, um, and I think we've referenced. I referenced this podcast in an earlier episode, but at the time I didn't know the name. He didn't know yeah. anything about it. He never listened to it, <laughs> right? And he just—I think he told you he did listen to it, but he didn't. Yes, and I still don't think he's listened to it. Oh okay. fuck you! I, I, they did. I mean, he made a reference from it though. Oh, that's so right. You listen to, to the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, I've listened yeah, to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's called a, it's called Tactical Tangents, and um, on that podcast right now, whenever I'm on there. It's me, a uh, rookie cop, right? Mm-hmm. Like just not haven't even started my first day of field training yet. Um, we got a guy named Mike who has uh, been on the force for quite a while, I think over 10 years. Wow. And, uh, you know, he's on the SWAT team. Um, he's a canine officer as well. And Cannon officer? Can- canine. Sorry. Oh, canine. So he's got, he's got a doggy. I was like, they've got cannons? <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> haven't you seen Turner and Hooch? He's... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know why? He's Tom Hanks. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Hanks. Um, we had a teacher, one of our class teachers the other day. Mm-hmm. He sounded just like Tom Hanks. Yeah. And then we had a guy that looked just like Robin Williams, but he was like trying to be a hard ass, and it was like really funny because I was like, <laughs> "All right, Robin Williams. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, yeah. No Come down there yourself." Like, anyways, uh, so we got me, we got Mike. And then we got another guy on there um, who just goes by Noggs, who is a pilot in the Air Force, but he kind of represents the civilian population. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a good mix. So we, we talk about things that are related to policing. We talk about things related to law enforcement, um, government policy, laws, and then a lot of training-related type stuff. Um, so you know, different skills that we feel like are applicable to the job and even to the general public. Um, so we just had... After you know the thing happened in Vegas, um, we had one on active shooters, like what you can do um, to be more safe and to protect yourself during that type of situation. Very cool. Because unfortunately, you know that's something like we want to keep it relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's relevant, and it sucks that it is, but yeah, you know, it's it's even worse to act like it's not. You know, you got to stay aligned with reality. So yeah, I'm on that podcast, and I just did um, the first. We've recorded a bunch of episodes, but the. First one with me and it just dropped, mm-hmm. um, and that was um, kind of an earlier episode from the beginning of the academy. Questions and concerns and stuff that I had going in, yeah. And then we just did one where it was kind of like an exit type thing, me coming out of the academy. Interesting. And we're gonna do another one while I'm in field training, maybe a couple while I'm in like field live, training. like like police live, like live PD, yeah, live PD. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet, but if you ever come to my house and I'm like answer the door and I'm like sweating, it's probably because I was just watching cops. don't uh, correct me if i'm incorrect but i'm fairly positive that most episodes of cops either happen in alaska or florida 
There's been a couple know. in Tucson. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So there was. Maybe I should tell a story. Yeah. Why not? So uh, yeah, there's this guy that I met on one of my first ride-alongs, and you know, I I went I went on the ride-along with Mike, and you know, this guy was like, he's like, you could just kind of tell, you know, whenever you're in a group of people and there's one guy that's like talking louder and all the rest of them, and you're kind of like, hmm, I think that's that guy. And it like definitely was that guy, and he, he'd been on like cops and everything before. And he definitely brought it up that night whenever I was on, on that ride-along. He was like, yeah, well, you know, when I was on cops, we did this thing. And I'm like, wow. So he was big-leaguing you about being on an episode of Cops? <laughs> being on an episode of Cops, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, so, that's, that's pretty big. Time. So they have, they have been in Tucson yeah. at least a couple times. Yeah, my mom actually retired from TPD. Oh, nice. And one of her friends was on Cops. Nice. She was like, she was shooting, and then she fell into an alleyway. It was a pretty intense episode. Wow. That's it a crazy staged. episode yeah. of Cops. Huh? It was staged. It was real. No, it was real. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever see those shows that are um, like reenactments? Mm-hmm. And those are my favorite. Looks, oh my god! There's. I so want to actually. I, one of my bucket list things is to be a reenactment actor for one of those things. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're so amazing. They're the so like are, cheesy. You know, so awesome. They're done in a vacuum, probably. Yeah. In, in a vacuum. Yeah, just like the sense I get for like the scene and everything. It's like this is so Oh, like apropos like completely just not in a legit vacuum where you do your science <laughs> a tish. And in the hadron collider. Right. Your maths and your sciences. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Those yeah. aren't those aren't allowed here. <laughs> no, we check that at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was just interested in um your your desire, like, you know, because like what what you said is like we originally kind of connected on um jujitsu and like combat sports and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and and um but but then we were talking about podcasting and, and I was really kind of uh interested in, in your selection of like podcasts that you listen to but then also your desire to create one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because th- a lot, a lot, a lot of people kind of um get get entirely focused on their their line of work and they don't do anything outside of that yeah. you know what i mean and the way that i kind of view those things is that we have uh the completely like hard line pragmatist line of uh of existence where you know like i, I, I clock in in the day i'm at my cubicle all day and then i go home and i you know whatever and, and they're completely focused on like a kind of pragmatic line of work or mm-hmm. you have people who are you know doing the starving artist thing or maybe even the successful artist thing and they're completely creative you know oh i don't know i you know wherever the wind blows and i just sit at my at the coffee shop and i write my scripts and yeah and and for them any any form of uh, like regular on and off work days and everything would just it would kill them it's right. the worst and for, it's but, the worst and, <laughs> exactly. and be, yeah and and by the same you know token those other people any sort of like unreliability or you know something you know, right without having a rigid schedule like no match 401k and no you know they're like whoa what the hell do i do with this you know how do i how do i make it work who does that sound like i think unintentionally we just described the the difference between chris and myself that's right i think we did although although i gotta say chris is probably the most organized creative type i've ever met and i'm not organized at all uh, yeah i mean Fair enough. But yeah, I, I get all verklempt and anxious if I don't have like a guaranteed check coming in or something oh God, like I that. feel like you just sherlocked me. He wore like pants and his shirt is like not inside out, so. Oh, I guess. That's uh, better than me some days. <laughs> <laughs> is your shirt inside out? No, it looks normal. No. Yeah. That's because my girlfriend told me my shirt was inside out. Oh, I yeah. I mean, he does have a patch on his pants. That's great. That's because they're really comfortable pants. And whenever you find that pair of Levi's that just fits right, oh, yeah. you got to keep them around. Levi's fit really weird on me, but I've got a really weird body. But which which Levi's though? Which uh, number? Five yeah. elevens or five tens? Hmm. Oh, I'm a five fourteen. I don't know what that means. What You're that missing mean? out, man. On the five fourteen life? <laughs> yeah. Should I make the switch? Five one four. No, I don't know. I don't know, man. It might fit you weird. Damn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I just end up buying a lot of off-brand weird shit. Anyways. Anyways, uh, podcasting. Yeah, so, so essentially my my yeah, kind of my my first question was just kind of interest in how do you feel those two things kind of interplay with one another? Like do you feel that those connect at all, your police work and kind of your creative outlet and podcasting or your idea about educating about police work or educating about active shooters, you know, kind of taking a more um 
user-friendly approach in terms of education on those subjects or like creating a dialogue like that. How did you originally kind of want to bring those things together? Or was that an initial desire for you at all? Was this kind of unintentional? I think that anytime you want to bring change to the, I mean, to the world as a whole, but, you know, something in specific, you really have to cross those two kind of lifestyles and those divides together Mm -hmm. um, because there's no way that you can make that change only involving one or the other. Right. It takes both. Um, So Where where do you think you fall on that scale? You know, I think I'm actually like right in the middle, to be honest. All right. Because um, I actually, I do really well with having a steady job. Like I, I show up on time and <laughs> I keep it. And, you know, it's not like I don't have any trouble with that. Yeah. I have um, creative friends and actually one of them is my roommate. He's, a photo- he's an amazing photographer. Um, that's what he does, you know, for a living. Mm-hmm. But man, like he, you know, just like every every artist, you know, he came through a time where he was like, you know, I don't know if the bills are gonna get paid if i don't get a job right, right now. yeah like i don't have any more i don't I have no i have no more drones i can sell you know like i just gotta um because uh, some artists will you know when times of need they'll sell all the extra, like yeah. extra stuff and that's normal you know yeah and actually to be honest i pretty much lived with artists my whole life yeah and i've always it's kind of a weird thing because they're always the most fun people to live with but then they always, like, sometimes every once in a while will piss me off just with, like, things that they continue, like, they're, like, hitting their head up against the wall, it seems like, like, mm-hmm. to me. And I'm like, dude, like, you're out of money because you make these, like, purchases, these random purchases, and you don't plan anything. You know what I mean? But well, to, there's but that to, whole idea of if you build it, they will come. Yes. If I have the ten thousand dollar camera, of course someone's gonna hire me. Exactly. For right. ten thousand a day, right? And right. Never <laughs> for them, they're like, How are you like you're you're stuck. Like you have no way out. Yeah, you know? there's no no like vast upwards mobility or something like that. And they they see me as not being free at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like stuck in this. So I think I'm a little bit in the middle, but I think I, I kinda of sway to the side of liking uh kind of just regular you know, more job. stability. But at the same time, um, to be honest, if I had like all the money in the world, I would honestly just train and learn like 20 hours a day if I could. Okay. Like if I had to figure, figure out a way not to sleep, like I would take some drug that I wouldn't have to sleep and I could just train and learn, you know, and get better at these things. And then I would, I would want to be someone that brings change, like invents things or, you know, changes industries or changes, right. um, like the social, political, economic climate you know, around certain issues. Cause I know that you, you can't really like, you have to focus on one thing and that's what kills me is I only have one life and it's like, yeah, so much that I want to do. Yeah. So, so, so you feel like you have to basically whole ass one thing. Otherwise you mm-hmm. won't ever excel on it. Yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. And where I'm at is I'm like, I feel like I'm going to have to divide my life up into like 10 year segments. Right. And like focus on one thing for each segment, you know? Oh, Interesting. Maybe. I don't that, know. That's I don't know if that's good. Interesting to that you but. say that because I've I've been kind of feeling the same thing myself where I feel like I stretch myself a little too thin mm-hmm. because I'm trying to do so many different things. So then I end up getting diminished progress in that because I'm always spreading out my time like that. Mm-hmm. Or even in like a microcosm, like as an example, that's kind of how I feel with um, like training in MMA because I got yep. so dialed in in terms of uh, Muay Thai and striking, but then my wrestling and jiu-jitsu suffered because I wasn't training that all that much. But then when I train fully focused on that, then I lose focus on something else. But it's impossible to kind of do everything all at the same time. Yeah. So I don't, don't people do it? Yeah, but those guys are for real. I'm... They, well, they make a good amount of money with it. They don't have to, like, work. Right, exactly. Then I also, like, work a job. And that's and... for me. Like, I, my job doesn't pay me to train Mm. So, even though it's like a like a job where you have to train a lot, yeah, you, know, you have you to be physically fit and like competent. I don't, I don't get paid to do jujitsu. I don't get paid. I don't even get a discount. Really? You know, I don't get paid to work out. I don't get paid to go shooting. I don't. There's a lot of extra courses that I go to. Uh huh. Um, I don't get paid for those. And then there are tax deductions, but I don't get any help for them. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them you have to bring ammo to. You know, like a thousand right. rounds. Right. It's a lot of money. I don't get. I don't pay for that. So you know, that's all money out of my pocket yeah. for that. But it's worth it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's 
doing a podcast, I think, is super important. Um, and using social media and stuff. I mean, you can see just like basic examples for policing, like uh, Officer Daniels. I don't know if you checked him or them out, but you know they're pretty funny and they kind of humanize police work. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, sure, as a police officer, you have the ability to suspend someone's Fourth Amendment rights. That's kind of a big deal, you know. Like mm-hmm. you're talking to someone and they're like, "Well, can I just go? Because I'm feeling uncomfortable." And you're like, uh, "Actually, you're not free to leave." Yeah. Until I finish, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking to you. And that's like real. That's that's really weird to get used to. Mm-hmm. And I can say that for sure on my end. Like, the hardest thing is getting used to the fact that I can do that, uh-huh. and like being comfortable with the fact that I can do that. Because that's weird. Like, that's not a normal thing. That well, you, it's it's basically kind of impressing or uh, kind of putting your, I guess, needs at that moment above anyone else's. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. kind of like an awkward thing because we we have complete. Uh, dominance over our own hierarchy of needs but then that you're able to by law you know suspend someone else's in place of your own or your your uh police forces actually yeah. needs above their own i mean that's that's definitely an interesting concept to wrap your head around and in addition to that I'm, like i love the constitution yeah and i'm super about it and so realizing <laughs> that i am like the enemy basically as a police officer i'm part of the executive branch which is like the most untrusted branch ever in the history of America. Uh-huh. They specifically wrote the Constitution to limit the executive branch. Right. And, you know, the fact they wrote the Fourth Amendment because of the, the you know, the stuff the British troops were doing. And I'm suspending that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just thinking about that fact, like, I'm kind of like, wow, that's, that's crazy, right? Yeah. So, but that being said, I have, I have the right to do that. I have the responsibility to protect people, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still like a human, you know? So, so that's kind of where this social media outreach or like mm-hmm. building an audience with podcasting kind of comes into play. You're being creative is super important. It's also very rare amongst my, well, yes, it's very rare. Yeah. Um, but now granted I'm a rookie. I haven't even started my first day field training. I don't know shit, whatever. Let's mm-hmm. get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, it's true. But my present sense that I have of things and of the people that I work with and everything, um, some of the best people ever, I consider them family. I'd give my life for them in a heartbeat. You know, I'd do anything for them. I'd, you know, freaking raise their kids for them if they died. You know what I mean? It's like that's the kind of connection that you have with these people because you're mm-hmm. out there facing, sometimes facing death, right? The risk brings you together. That being said, some of the least creative and cultured people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> So, and it's, and it's like, it's a little hard sometimes, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to go eat at Chili's right now. Yeah. You know, oh, I want to go get some Chili's food. Chili's is, I don't know, man, two for 20. not as bad as Applebee's, but still it's pretty bad. Applebee's is trash. Where does Outback, okay. where does Outback fit into the, Outback is like, if you want to get real, like, if you really like this girl, take you her take to Outback. Outback. Do you take her to Outback? False and then step. once you get, get above the middle class onion. income, you onion. go to freaking Sullivan's, you know. Oh shit! So no, you gotta start them low. You gotta start them at the bottom. At Applebee's, of course. You totally start them at the bottom. Outback. Two for two. Oh, Outback. Outback. Yeah. And then you work your way up from there. Exactly. Okay. Once you can take someone out to Outback, hell, once you can take the whole family, <laughs> and Aunt Carol and Uncle Mike, out to Outback. I mean, not Outback. Sorry, Sullivan's. Then you know you've uh, you reached it. Nah, you gotta drop them off in your uh, pre-certified uh, Kia Optima, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So <laughs> those things are so sweet. The uh, <laughs> the create the creativity level is low, a little bit just be, by the nature of the job. Right. No one no one goes into police work at least, and I'm just prefacing this again because that's the other thing when you are in public service or in the military and you step out and you write a book or you make a podcast or something, you immediately get people saying things you know about that. So I'm just prefacing saying I really don't know anything. This is just my opinion from where I'm at right now. When you say you get people saying things, what do you mean by that? Um, I think that it, especially where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. there can be the sense of like, well, why the hell are you talking? You haven't even started yet. I see. Okay. Or if you're more experienced, why the hell are you talking? You know, like you shouldn't be doing that. Like why are you, um, it's almost like why are you peddling off your experience and your like professionalism here 
for money like how could you you know yeah that's what that's what uh the military gets that a lot exactly i, I think uh jocko willink was recently uh talking about that on this podcast shout out to jocko shout out to jocko good man if he wants to hit me up with one of those uh geese he just released i would yes. you've mentioned jocko before uh, on the podcast yeah with some video like it's all good mm-hmm. oh good his mantra yeah oh, mantra hell good enough yeah. is a false idol yeah beware of those who uh who worship it Good. Yeah, I, uh, I mentioned Jocko Willink a lot because I I think that guy's the best. But but he's said that you know he gets some people in the military who um, who are not offended is the wrong word, but who are kind of um, they talk b- badly about him referring to his time in the military or talking about things like that. And it's a little bit unclear to me as why, but that probably is because I'm a civilian. It's probably see I can understand because it's like. Um, it's because of the oh, like he's automatic. profiting off of it. Yeah, but I think it, what it has to actually to do with is the, the kind of like automatic respect you get whenever you say you're a veteran, mm-hmm. which is fine. You know, it's, you serve your country. You know, yeah. but in America, it's probably a lot more. In other countries, it's huge. You know, if you say you're a veteran, like people will buy you, you know, free stuff. Like they'll take care of you. You know, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. so it's a little bit different than saying I'm on this podcast because I'm a plumber and you want to know about plumbing. Right. Does that make sense? To where if you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a veteran and I want to tell you about serving my country, there's a much different type of mantra that goes along with that. I see. Now, I think cops are almost on the level of plumbers right now. Like as far as <laughs> public perception, oh, yeah. yeah, tell us about how you, you know, freaking abuse people during your job, you know, whatever. You know, right. That's, that's kind of the... I mean, that was definitely where, where my head was at when I was, I was kind of thinking about um, your wanting to podcast and I haven't heard anything about officer Daniels, but I guess I got to look, look up this fellow. But, um, that was kind of the, the idea is that, uh, and I mean, you said it best just now when it's a humanizing effect, if Mm -hmm. you guys are all podcasting and talking about your experiences and being on the force and stuff like that, it's somebody who I can relate to. It's not the idea of the law or, Mm -hmm. you know, because especially right now, I think, I think we can agree that, uh, police have a very unfortunate and like a bad rep right now yeah, yeah. um and so not not in a tucson specifically but I no. think nationwide well when um, you think about police in general i mean when do you call the police when you're something bad's happening right you know and that's and that's the nature of the whole thing is you can never get there fast enough you can never get there fast enough you're um, only there to cause them trouble because they're doing something wrong yeah so it's hard to and so that's so that's where you know if you work a day shift um going and bullshitting with people. Yeah. Like I, I got to hang out downtown a little bit on one of my uh, field days and got to see what they do. And they, they just kind of, you know, of course they try and keep it safe, stop jaywalkers because people will blow through those intersections downtown and yeah. hit oh. jaywalkers. Oh yeah. Um, jaywalkers are the worst though. I, well, <laughs> I can't stand like, jaywalkers. I can handle it if it's uh, like that intersection is so clearly like marked and it's like go and don't go. Are you talking, you're, you're specifically referring to where downtown Fourth Avenue and, and, and Congress yeah. mm-hmm. and tool. Me. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay. So there's also a portion where there's no crosswalk. And right. It's very, very obvious that you probably should not be there. Right. And people like still will Just, look at us yeah. and then like walk across and we're like, Hey, what are you doing? And they're like, what the, no, it's, it's always Let's so funny. Again. Yeah. It's always so funny when, um, I see, the, the car parked because uh, it was that little, um, I guess, space in between the road mm-hmm. where 4th Avenue, the underpass connects yeah, yeah. with Congress. And I always see the, the cop car pull there. And then I just like see somebody like exactly what you said. They, they like look over and they're like, all right, I'm going to chance it. And they just okay, go and it. just like over the intercom. They're like, no. Like- <laughs> exactly. So we did, we did a fair amount of that. But it was also just people would come up to me and they just want to talk. Yeah. You know, and you talk to them and they're like, well, you know, maybe when me and my friends now are talking about cops – I have now I have two conflicting things. Yeah. I have this idea of what I've seen and what I've heard on the news mm-hmm. and this this image that because that's you know you talk about your first view of something becomes the filter through which you view every other instance of it, right? Precisely. So for most people, you know, cops are, you know, whatever, like however they see them, it's usually not good. Right. But now there's kind of this conflicting thing where it's like, well, yeah, but then I met one for real the other night, like talked to him, and he was like pretty normal. Like, he was kind of like me, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I asked him why I did his job and he said he just wanted to keep people safe. And he said, you know, maybe you know, it, his family was, you know, their house got broken into and his dad got shot whenever he was young. And mm-hmm. so then that impressed upon him that he wanted to keep that from happening to other people. And now I see why they do it. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, like not it's it's a job too. not everyone gets into it because they have like these huge notions about wanting to like save people's lives or whatever. But I, sure. can, I can definitely tell you by the time they're into it. That's what it's about. Yeah, I would I would find it hard to believe that somebody could get all the way through the academy and, you know, do those long shifts and all that kind of stuff and not have a, a greater want than just yeah, a because, job. Because you can go yeah. scoop ice cream at Baskin Robbins Dude, and like <laughs> you could do a lot less for a lot more money. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know I'm I'm, like, I'm pretty sure as a you know, just getting like, out of the academy. Uh, they're like, Well, I could get shot today. You know, like no one no one like goes to a job like that and just like sticks with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless it's yeah, unless just, there's like an intrinsic reward in, in helping people. And that's what it really is. Precisely. So I think podcasting, um, I think any type of creativity, creative outlets, you know, I think even officers that um make music or write books or make movies or, you know, just make stupid videos on YouTube. Like that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. that especially if you have like if you had police officers that made a band and like played music for people. Music is a huge like language in and of itself. And I think if people are dancing to your music and you're a police officer, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, wait a second, these guys can't be that bad. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I dancing? Why is it so good? Why are my hips gyrating? <laughs> well, it's, it's like such a, such a kind of, <laughs> why are my hips gyrating? It's, it's such an interesting kind of disconnect because for instance, um, in town we have, uh, the Sentinel peak brewers, mm-hmm. right? And people love that beer because you know, like specifically the Salida del Sol, but, um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out. Um, we're going to put a lot in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just referencing everything left and right. But people especially love that beer because they love the fact that um, it, it's it been brewed by firefighters. Yep. You know what I mean? And so it's like kind of something that they do that is not directly correlated to their work, but th- that kind of shows like, oh, hey, we're also like rounded out people as well. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think that that would help with the kind of police image. Um it just reinforces that firefighters are all partiers. Yeah, <laughs> they work hard, they play hard. Yeah, yeah. firefighters. Yeah, they uh, they got it pretty good, to be honest. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone loves firefighters, man. No one, no one's ever mad at a firefighter. Ever. If anything, they call That's them. actually true. Just so they can harass them, you know, because they like them. Yeah. Like not not because they're no no one's ever mad at firefighters. There was one time when some firefighter like flipped a. Fire truck took a turn too fast Ooh. and caused like a traffic jam. I'm sure all those people were upset a little with that pissed. Guy. No, they were probably like, "I hope the firefighters are okay." No, you're probably right. Or like maybe they'll take their turncoats off and do a calendar shoot right here. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but then there was um, in in Tucson fashion, or in in the style of Tucson, I should say, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was that lady trying to uh, cook her cat who. Uh, the firefighters came in because she started her house on fire, Jesus and she wound up stabbing them as soon as they came in. So, I guess she she wasn't the biggest firefighter fan. No, no, she no. just wanted to eat her cat. That's insane. I just had so many questions about that. I was like, was she like holding it over the burner, or did she like put it in a pot? Was the cat alive or dead? Was it on a spit? I don't know. Had she already eaten cat before? Yeah, Most likely. and she liked it and wanted to try something. Did she find like a different recipe? Right, in a chili. Yeah, or is yeah, she just gonna do like it straight up, chili? like like would like, like a roast, huh. like a chicken roast, or like a or like know, something man. that's cooked into something else? Does she like braise like it some, first? Uh, bison and... stuffed peppers. Yeah. Do you shave cats before you roast them? I don't know. Like man. plucking feathers. Yeah. What? What? You, you hide like cows, right? Or is that called hiding? Or what is it called? Skinning. skinning? But but you skin the hide. Uh huh. Oh yeah. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Actually, that's very true. We know that. That lady knows all of them. Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to learn a new way to skin a cat. Fair enough. And then, and then these firefighters just ruined her fun. Yeah. Uh, she was pretty high on at least one narcotic or dangerous substance, maybe multiple. I mean, I would imagine so. I mean, I, I look at these kind of um, these instances like for uh, it was pretty recently. I'm, I'm not going to remember the details exactly, but uh, in Phoenix there was this uh, anti-Trump rally, mm-hmm. right? And it's crazy to hear different people's perceptions. And this is kind of why um, I think I think you're you're onto the right track in terms of like 
we need to connect people. And, and we refer to that in, in the creative industry. We refer to that as building an audience. We're talking about building mm-hmm. an audience for, oh, yeah. uh, for Chris's movies that are coming out. You know what I mean? Or anything like that. Peep the movies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, show notes. Show notes. Um, so we try and build an audience, and I think that the same kind of thing um, is sort of either being done or has to be done with uh, police work, like through those creative outlets or through those that kind of an idea. Because we we saw that event through two different lenses, or at least I did, for, from different people I spoke to. Because uh, you know I I know several people in Phoenix, and essentially what happened was that's right. People, Atish knows more than. Four people. That's right. I have more than four friends. <laughs> and and more than two are in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll put their links in the show notes. <laughs> Everything's in the show notes this episode. It's going to be a lot of work. Um, but there was, there was basically an anti-Trump rally, mm-hmm. and the police were there. And my impression of how that goes is whether you're – in the rally or outside the rally, basically the police are there to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like they were also there for the benefit of the protesters. Oh, yeah, completely. But other people see it from the viewpoint that they were just trying to shut it down. Yes. But that didn't happen until people started breaking shit. And That's the thing. You, yeah. you see what I mean? So it's like you can see it through different lenses. Like, yes, eventually the police did shut down the rally, but they weren't there to shut down the rally. No, it didn't they were to go actually, that way. Yeah, yeah, they were actually there for the benefit of yeah. the people who were protesting. Yeah, and in, in Tucson, the mm-hmm. uh, cops, they, they actually say, you know, hey, let us know when you're doing marches, please. Yeah. Like, tell us your route. And they will stand on either side of them. Like, they'll make kind of like a you know, wall or whatever on either yeah. side of them. So that if there's another like counter protest or whatever, they'll put cops over there too. And they're like, we just want to keep you guys separate so you can both exercise your freedom of speech. Precisely. And like, please just let us know when you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course the Arizona revised statutes, there's intent to riot, there's rioting, there's, you know, like things for, you know, destroying, destroying shit, you know, it's illegal. So, right. Uh, <laughs> breaking p- private property. And mm-hmm. there can be, you know, so gathering to exercise your First Amendment rights is distinctly different from rioting, right? Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, the distinction happens whenever you intend to or you actually do start breaking shit or, you know, act, uh, committing acts of violence upon things or people, right? So everything's fine. Yeah. You know, until, until something breaks. But, yeah. until someone but breaks something. the interesting yeah. thing is now with the new the new chief, and I don't think it's the new chief. I think it's honestly the phase that we're in now Mm -hmm. it has become less about was your reaction good to whatever it is like as as a police officer was your reaction good or bad Uh it's less about that and it's more about was what you did before your reaction did that cause the person to be more or less escalated in their their right so so you're kind of monitoring whether your actions or what you do is uh incendiary did you drive them to do that right now I can tell you for sure, as a future police officer, that is extremely frustrating because now I have to think about, all right, am I going to get fired for doing this? Or, you know, and so you have like this, you you have this moment of second guessing yourself, which could get you killed um, in some situations. I'm not going to go, you know, and say like, everything's screwing us all over and we're going to get killed now, you know, but I'm saying like, (laughs) I can see that would be an issue. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just in that example um, of the, the whole anti-Trump rally, mm-hmm. their perception is these cops are here to shut us down. They're here to limit our First Amendment. You know, the government is trying to shut us down. You know, all right, this kind of stuff. Right, exactly. And I think that, like, and I don't really know that much about Phoenix PD, and I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I'm just saying from my experience with TPD, like Tucson Police Department, sure. I know what they do is they proactively go out and find those groups, and they say, hey, we want to march with you. Right. I think we're getting there towards mending the broken image. I think... Actually, here's what I think. I was talking to a coworker about this the other day because um, we have a new chief, uh, Chief Magnus. He's, he's pretty great. Um, Magnus? Magnus, yes. Wow. Um, and he's from um, – I'm going to get in trouble because I don't know where he's from. But he, he, is, he was a chief of police somewhere else, and then uh-huh. he came here specifically to be chief. Um, and just to not get off into the weeds too much, but about 20 years ago, um, they really started cracking down on things like organized crime, gangs – that type of shit. So we had probably six or seven like specialized units um, mm. 
for gangs, for GTA. Um, we had a giant ass full time SWAT team. Um, and then we had like even like bank robbery and like all that kind of stuff. Like we were like cracking down on everything. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like individual units for like very specific. And that wasn't just part time. That was like, that was your thing. Wow. Um, undercover was huge. Um, it's huge. 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 So <laughs> we kind of took care of most of like the big, big time crime. And then what happened after that is all those units got disbanded. Um, SWAT is now like a part-time thing. There's only like five guys that are full-time, and that's just because they, they stay in the SWAT bay and they like keep all the gear like ready and they you know maintain stuff. Mm-hmm. But most of it's part-time. So we don't, really don't have any like full-time specialized assignments like that anymore. I think it's because we got those problems mostly dealt with to where they're not really like an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now... And cops hate this, right? But now the issue, like, since those things are out of the way and since we have this new chief that is more interested in these other things. Sure. Those two things have a line now to where what we're worried about more is public perception and we're actually kind of instituting policies that maybe we feel like limit us Hmm. in our ability to do our job, right? We We feel like they limit us. But they make people more comfortable, right? And they make people like us more. They make uh, they give us a lot better statistics, so that we can figure out like what actually works and what doesn't in use of force. So while we hate the paperwork we have to do whenever we hit someone or deploy a taser or something like that, sure, it's all for stats so that we can help increase our efficiency. So all the, the all these things are happening right now because I think the climate's right for them, and we have the right leader that that wants to deal with those things. And I'll tell you like straight up the the sense that I get and what I feel sometimes is like you hate it. Because you're like, well, my life's more jeopardy now. Like I'm being overanalyzed. I could lose my job really easily. Like if I don't get like effed over by um, like some con, you know, for hitting him whenever he was resisting Mm -hmm. and trying to beat the crap out of my partner. Right. If I don't get sued by him, I'll get put on leave by the department because they feel like I did something wrong. Right. I'm being investigated, you know, all this kind of stuff. So they feel like the pressure's back on them. But I'll tell you what it's done, though. And this is probably from my political science background in college. I'm learning about how bureaucracy works just a little bit. I just read one book, just did one class, but it helped me understand <laughs> it a lot better than I did before. Like, I was like, my oh, mind absolutely. was just like, whoa. Uh-huh. Whenever a bureaucracy is, like, in the public eye and they are, like, favorable in the public eye, that's when they get more money, right? Right. And, like, TPD, like, these guys haven't gotten raises in forever. Um, and, you know, there's guys that have been here for, they're about to hit their 20-year mark, and they're not making much more than I am right now. Wow. Right? Um, so they got that. You know, the city, like, didn't pay them some of their, like, pension structure they were supposed to get, so they're just now getting that back. Um, we have computers that crash, like, seven or eight times during your shift. And, like, you, you know, you're writing a report, you just lose all your stuff. Yeah. They'll stop working in the middle of your shift, right? And that's, like, that's crappy, right? We had cars that have, like, 175,000 miles on them. Wow. They creak whenever you go around corners. <laughs> um, Those interceptors. Dude, yeah, and they're, they're hurting, right? So we need that, you know? But in order to get that, like, all that stuff is voted on. So Did we just vote on it? We did. So that's, that's where I'm building to. Oh. So if people don't <laughs> like you... They're not going to vote to give like a, a little bit of increase in a sales tax to fund things that you need, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But in order to get people to like us, we have to change the way that we do some things, mm-hmm. whether we like that or not. Right. Right. So there's that, right? And then the other thing that I've kind of been thinking about, theorizing about, is that people are expecting more and more of the police force while putting in the exact same inputs as they've always put in, Right. And, and at least on like for like West Coast policing, um, which is what I know because East Coast policing is completely different, um, and I, I don't know that much about it. But I know that the way that police agencies operate on the East Coast is like night and day difference to the way that we operate. Hmm. It's completely different. Wow, um, didn't know that. It's it's like a um, it's like team sports or like I don't really know how to describe it. It's like you get on there and you are like freaking set. Right, like 
And, th- and these are just like stories I've heard. I can't speak. I've never been there when these things have happened. I don't know if they're still happening. <laughs> but like you all get in and on the squad car, drive to the bar, drink at the bar, and then drive back to the station, keep partying there, and then go home. Like people walk around in their uniforms all the time. That doesn't sound real. That's it's real. Oh wow! Um, they walk around in their uniforms all the time. You know, going and get get free shit everywhere. You know, and like that makes them sound like dirt bags. Right. But the thing is, is they had the first police departments ever. So these institutions, like the police institutions, have been around for a freaking long time. Mm-hmm. And it was never. It was. It was metropolitan. You know, it was never like the the lone sheriff. You know, out there like enforcing the law and like. Like, these guys are part of, like, departments and bureaucracies that have been there for forever. So they have crazy amounts of political sway. Sure. You get on as a cop and you are set, you know. So it's not that way here. So all. essentially you're, you're saying that in at least West Coast policing, mm-hmm. kind of the way to get more out of your position is to kind of change public perception. Yeah. So, and there's a bunch of ways you can do that. But I think that the public perception needs to change, and the public also has to realize if we want these cops to make the right split-second decisions, we're going to have to invest in training them better to make split-second decisions. Yeah. If we want these cops to be able to, um, I'm not going to say gently, but effectively render someone useless or render them like submissive, yeah, we're going to have to give them more than three one-hour sessions on, you know. Defensive tactics. tactics, yeah. And that being said, Jinx. defensive tactics that are voted on by a board of probably a little bit older police officers right? that might say something along the lines of, well, this is what I did back in the day, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, martial arts are constantly evolving, right? And we're constantly learning new ways to manipulate people's joints, blah, 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 stuff sure. like that. You know, I mean, look want, at the uh, look at the all of a sudden the influx of those uh, leg lock masters, right? From the John Danaher Death Squad. Um, show notes. Show notes. <laughs> I want to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but all of a sudden, like you know, jujitsu in and of itself was completely revolutionized mm-hmm. because people had straight ankle locks and that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, they're bringing in new things to play, like these new Iminari transitions to mm-hmm. knee bars and heel hooks and God knows whatever else. And so, so essentially, that constant evolution is the same thing that needs to happen with inside the the force, yep. which is something I think you know inside my own career, which has nothing to do with. Uh, anything like that. But I think there's principles that apply across all the disciplines. Absolutely. Being able to think laterally and not always recognizing that the old way is always the best way. Most likely it's... To be honest, there's some things that have been around and probably will be around. Right, and because they've been tested and and proven. Exactly. But, you know, advancements in technology might completely change some of those things. You know? Like... (sighs) I can think of a bunch of examples, but... uh, there was a tangent. I was gonna. There was a tactical tangent, if you will, that I was gonna go off on really quick. <laughs> Sorry, um, I started talking about leg locks and I no, derailed no, no, I, you. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, we don't get barely any force on force training um, as police officers. There's a. I think his name is. May I may I Google very quickly while we are here. All right. See, this I is guess. why we were taught. Oh, yeah, the phone makes weird noises on the recording. Uh, this is why we need another intern so that we can have yes. the other intern sitting here. And he's well, just who would you get to intern? I don't know. Somebody. I got we, some friends. Yeah, we can promise them college credit and then never deliver. Yes, exactly. Um, no, so there's this guy that owns this company called. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there he is. So it's this company called Shivworks, and the guy's name is Craig Douglas. Shivworks? Shiv, Shivworks. Shiv. Like a, like a shank. A shiv. Oh. Um, he is probably at least what's known on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, subject matter expert on physically fighting with someone anywhere from five yards in with a knife or a gun or your bare hands. Interesting. Um, and he has gained that by fighting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> with minimal protective equipment. Learning what techniques work. We have nothing like that. We don't have someone that's doing that. Mm-hmm. TBD does not have anyone that's doing that, right? Like, we don't have someone that's like, all right, 
like if you you know if you're in close quarters like this is how you deal with this threat and that threat and this is you know this works and this doesn't you know all this stuff like so you have i think the biggest thing with force on force training is yeah it's great because like you learn what works and what doesn't the best thing about force on force training is it gives you confidence yeah so we watch a bunch of videos all the time um, everyone out there is seeing the videos and we see them too because we watch them and we try and learn what not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, videos where like some dude is high on PCP and they try tasing him eight times. Right. And it yeah. just doesn't just not work because yeah. yeah. the contacts aren't far enough apart. Mm-hmm. And then they try the baton and then they try the pepper spray and then they're like, shit, my belt's empty. I don't feel comfortable with going hands on. What do I do? And yeah. then they pull out their gun, right? Right. And you're like, dude, you have to be comfortable going hands-on, especially if there's two of you and one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's like not wanting to get hit in the face or just not being – the biggest thing about jiu-jitsu for me is I get more comfortable with knowing how to posture and move my body right. and the other person's body, learning about the way the body actually moves whenever you're in close proximity with it, what works and what doesn't. Because I can guarantee you, I get on open mat with like a freaking black belt, and I'm like just trying everything, everything, and they'll stop me and they'll be like, "No, it's not like that. Actually, you got to turn this the other way." Right. Like, like your your kind of your instincts sometimes can be a little bit wrong or misleading. Yeah. About but what usually, you're doing. the crazy thing is your instincts are usually pretty correct. Right. But the better you get with that, you know, you can actually get to a point where you're like this is what I'm going for, you know, instead of just, right. And I think I'm going to try and stop them. I think the, one of the, or at least some of the key benefits of, uh, of you were, you were calling it force on force. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key benefits of that, because, uh, I've been training in jujitsu and, uh, you know, Muay Thai for quite some time. And the jujitsu aspect, I think the key takeaway is that you end up, um, you end up not freaking out or panicking when, uh, you get in close contact with someone. You just work you, with it. You have to be very comfortable. You have to control your breathing because all mm-hmm. the all the new guys come in and they're straining their muscles really hard right. and they're not breathing. They're holding their breath and just, you know, whatever. And then they're just going to burn themselves out and they're, they're going they're, to like, die out. Gassed and, yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas with, um, at least with striking, the the most valuable key takeaway, and, you know, anytime I have clients or any, anytime I have, you know, somebody I'm, I'm training, um, they have to learn very quickly that, you're not made of glass. Nope. You can get punched in the face. Oh, you can take it. And you can take it. Yep. You can keep moving forward and keep, you know, I mean, yeah, somebody might be a knockout artist and crack you one real solid. But, but probably not. But, you know, for the most part, that it's kind of that ability. And, and that was something even that, um, that just learning from, I mean, that experience, but then also watching other people do it. Is, is something that like massively impacted my, my yep. growth and my training. And that, that I think is super important. You yeah. know, people, so like level one is like, if you're a cop and you will just start with a martial art, that'll help immensely. Yeah. And on top of that, if you'll do, and force on force is a little bit different from martial arts because it's, you can strike and you can grapple. Mm-hmm. Right? You're wearing like minimal protective equipment. You might even have like sim, sim munition guns too. Um, yeah, I got so shot by those. Those aren't fun. They're not. They're not. But they're really great training tools because you don't want to get shot by them. So yeah. it's the closest thing we have to. It's real very painful. So it makes you realize um, when you're exposed. And shock knives, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but there's a difference between, all right, we're going to grapple and we're going to learn. And we're doing force on force training in this car. This guy's going to try and kill you and you better freaking stop it. Right. That, like my heart rate, <laughs> like... I can grapple all day and like I'm generally okay. Yeah. You know? But dude, like, when they're like, all right, it's on. You're like, or they put you in a sand pit and they're like, all right, you got to stop these two guys from killing you. Yeah. Like, dude, your heart rate just like shoots up. There's and a scene like that in Delta Force 2. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I guess I'll have to watch Chuck the Norris. second one. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. He, he recently challenged me to watch the uh, oh. Delta Force and then I challenged him to yeah. watch a four hour movie. I, did, I didn't disclose it was that long when I. When I yeah, that's yeah. tight. So, but there's a difference. So the more the more you do of both of those, right? Whenever you actually get to a situation where, all right, uh, you know, turn around, put your hands behind your back, and they uh, are we are we edited or does it matter? No, go ahead. Okay. Curse. Yeah, I'm just quoting, but I, I already yeah, swear you, it several times. So you turn like you're like, hey, uh, sir, you know, like whatever. You run a warrants check on them, and they're they gotta you know stop an arrest or whatever. Sure. And you're like, 
yeah, I need you to turn around, put your hands behind your back. And mm. they're like, no, fuck you. And you're like, all right, let me get some backup, you know. The backup shows up, maybe they don't. But nonetheless, like, you're comfortable with it. And, sorry. No, go ahead. Other thing, you get shot, you get stabbed, you get punched, you get kicked, you start getting choked out. Any of those things are completely survivable. You can get shot multiple times and still fight. You can get stabbed and you won't even realize you got stabbed until it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So training, the way that you train, you know, like, you get shot once and you stop, right? Mm-hmm. No, we're not stopping, you know? If we do force on force and we're using simunitions, like, you might shoot me a bunch of times and I'm going to make you hurt for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the mentality you have to drive in. Interesting. But unless you train that and your first encounter with someone is, like, maybe you've never done martial arts at all, you're, like, double screwed. But even if you've just done martial arts, you're a little bit screwed still because mm-hmm. you don't have that extra edge. So just as a, I guess I'm, I'm interpreting, and, and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm in, incorrect, but from what I'm interpreting, you're sort of interested in thinking laterally in inside, with, inside the confines of the police force mm-hmm. in the creation of content both for creating a dialogue between the police force and the public, yep. which, I mean, your podcast does because you have a, a quote-unquote citizen. And, and then a rookie cop and a, and a pretty seasoned uh, cop. And then also for instruction. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of using some different methods or different, different sort of creative methods to both instruct, but then also, uh, I mean, we call it audience building, but I mean, what, yeah. whatever you would call that in a more professional sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think both those things are important. Yeah. But, yeah, it's especially, you know, it's like using, using higher level of thinking um, and just like, you know the people that really lead in any in any area usually wind up just constantly pouring over whatever it is, figuring out what works and what doesn't. You know, going into it and be like, all right, like, what's different here? Like, what can I do with this? How can I improve it? You know, that kind of thing. And I think if you do that with both your job um, and with like interfacing with the public, I think like both those things are super important. And I think creativity is important in both of those. You know what I mean? That sounds exactly what I'm trying to do, yeah. like with my production company. Yeah. It's like don't, I need to reach that. out to people more. Yeah. I need to create stuff and, like, what's working, what's not working. Yeah. Right. Like, what do you people know, want? What, do, what does the audience want to see? What don't they want to see? And what have they not seen? Right. And how can I do it differently? Right. You know, how can I be that new guy? How can I be the... Right, the, the ability the week, to think, to, to abstract your position into the key components... And then thinking about not just how am I going to do this every day, but how am I going to do this better every day? Right. Yes. And and I mean that's the that's the that's a great thing, especially to hear in, in the in the public service. You know what I mean? Because and, and especially something with as dire consequences as uh, as policing, um, the the idea that you would want to like continually strive for to do a better job and to like have all the resources you would need or yeah. you know anything like that. And then especially if you know you get the public on board to you know more tax money, better better equipment, better stuff, better you know what what have you. Um, as much as you hate you know being limited by it, it's it's necessary. Yeah, exactly. So it, so I mean framing things in the correct way, and I mean what we would also call pitching. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and I think that absolutely applies. That's what you're doing. Yeah, and and honestly, you know, a good chief of police, I think, also. I don't know if it's the chief of fire or whatever. What? I don't. I <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> any, any any of those positions, they're not really um, they're not really that thing anymore. They're actually like a manager, right? And they're managing public perception. Mm-hmm. That's what you deal in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing you deal in is public perception. So that's why you know Chief Magnus was out at you know the rallies. He was holding a Black Lives Matter sign. Um, he's always interfacing with the news media. Mm-hmm. He's out. He, he's literally like out there talking to people at the rallies, and he will let them come up and talk to him. He's he's doing PR work for for the police. They are just like you can tell. You can tell when someone's like a little crazy, and you're like, <laughs> I, I just I don't think what they're gonna say to you is gonna make any sense. And he's like, no, just. Let him come out. Let him talk to me. Yeah, so, you know, you talk to him, and you know, you know, it's just like any other police officer. Very, very patient. You know, professional. Tell me what's happening. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's the hard. It'll be interesting. You know, maybe a little while from now, to for us to talk again, and to like say like, hey Isaac, like, how's your uh, how's your attitude? Like, how was your first year on the force? Yeah. 
How, how was your first year and do you feel any different? Because everyone's been telling me, and this is something that I want to protect as much as possible, but they're like, dude, you're going to be so jaded. You're going to think, you know, every single person's crazy and high on drugs. And, you know, then it's just a waste, you know, because they're just going to keep doing. And this, and this is maybe a look for the public into what police officers struggle with. Right. Because they struggle with being jaded. Because when you deal with like that, well, they had a bunch of stats and they were talking about, we had a class about solving community problems, basically, and they were saying, you know, 90% of crimes are committed by 5% of the population in 5% of the locations, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like same people, same location, um, same life situation, like all this stuff. So it seems like a never-ending. And so they're like, how do we, as police officers, go into these communities and try and figure out how to actually solve part of the problem or the part of the problem that we can actually do something about? All right, well, Isaac, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thanks thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah. See you in a year. Sounds good to me. I'm going to set a reminder on my phone. Do it. <laughs> Better do it. Get in it. All right, we'll see you. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.